Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we're talking with writer, speaker, and marriage and family therapist, Nicole Zazowski. Woo! Did I say it right? Yes. Yeah, Zazowski. Zazowski. <laughs> That's a fun word to say. <laughs> we are talking with Nicole about letting go of what we think we want to find what will truly set us free. This was such a timely message. I mean, for us personally, and I know it will be for so many of you as well. Nicole shares her journey of moving across the country from California to Connecticut and finding that settling into her new normal took a little longer than she would have liked. And having just experienced... It does sound familiar. Yeah, just having just experienced this ourselves, this message really spoke to us and we were just so grateful for this conversation. I was constantly feeling disappointed and constantly feeling like I was only as good as my last performance or if the gift was taken away, my life was hopeless. And the freedom was when I finally realized our hope is in the giver and not the gift itself. And that on the far side of pain we don't prefer, we will find transformation we would not trade if we have open hands to receive that. Today, Nicole shares with us the power of naming what you fear losing most, how to identify the behaviors that are holding us back, and how to move forward in the freedom that God has for us. As we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did, here is Nicole. Well, Nicole, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, so you you have a uh, pretty unique story. It's a pretty cool story, <laughs> and uh, it's kind of led you to this project, this book that you've written, which is really impactful and changing a lot of people's lives. But first, what I want you to tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your career, uh, your family, any of those details, and, and what kind of led you to write this book, From Lost to Found. Yeah, so I live in Connecticut, just outside New York City. Um, I am a wife to an awesome guy named Jimmy, and I have two little boys, four and a half and about nine months. My miracle babies, I, I believe all babies are miracles, but um, I just have a story that, that really showed me that. And I am a marriage and family therapist, so that mostly looks like my private practice in Greenwich, Connecticut, um, and do some traveling and speaking for that as well. Nice. Nice. All right. So... Let's dive into this book, right? Because, you know, Jenny has been diving in deep and she's like, babe, this book is so good. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah. So, so it really kind of unfolds and talks about your story, your journey from moving across country, from California mm-hmm. to Connecticut. You know, what was the point where you realized that God kind of had more in plan for you than just like a simple move, but it was all about a new place and a new, just a new season for you? And what did that look like? Yeah, so the life I would describe in California was very comfortable. And what I personally mean by that was I was unknowingly living this narrative that I could make the life that I wanted happen for myself. It was very much driven by self-sufficiency 
if I just worked hard enough, I could get what I wanted. And, you know, I used to think that the enemy works only by attacking us or making us really miserable. And in retrospect, what I now can recognize that season as is that the enemy was really working in my life to make me comfortable without Christ. And certainly I had a relationship with Christ and I would have described it as a close relationship. And in many ways it was, but I sort of used God like the power source to my own plans. I would pray for things that would fuel my own agenda. And for a long time, it worked. I was very reliant on my performance, my own perfectionism, my sense of control. And then the journey started when my husband got a call that he had an amazing opportunity on the East Coast. And he uh, was very excited to take that opportunity. I was very reluctant. But to be honest, I can say even now I had this I had this sense that Jimmy wanted to go and I needed to go. Like I just had this sixth sense that God was doing something. And that was the beginning of a season that could largely be characterized by change and loss. And certainly I lost tangible things in that season, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into, but more importantly, what I recognized to be God's graciousness to me, I lost all those touch points of security that were keeping me from being Christ dependent and that I was using to stay comfortable instead of trusting the God that had more interest in my good than I did for myself. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. One of the things I love that you talk about is the importance of identifying what we need to let go of um, and really naming what what it is that we've lost. Will you unpack that a little bit more and talk about the importance behind that and maybe share some of the things that you had to let go of before you found healing and could move forward? Yeah, and I would love to say just before I dive into that, that it was a willing letting go for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God certainly used some painful circumstances to pry my fingers off of um, what I thought I wanted. But essentially, the idea there is that no matter what our story is, whether your story of looks like mine or not, we all have stories that shape the kind of pain we feel when we're in a painful situation and the ways that we attempt to protect ourselves from that pain or react to that pain that are totally understandable and maybe even were once necessary, but are no longer working and they are not helpful or healthy. There's four main categories, and this is based on a counseling model I use called restoration therapy. Blame, so getting really angry, blaming other people, raging, withdrawing to punish, you know, the silent treatment. Um, Shame, not only did I do wrong, but I am wrong and control. And this is a sneaky one because so many of those behaviors are celebrated in our culture. So perfectionism, performance, micromanaging, very achievement oriented, tend to be this, use this control one. And then escape. And there's lots of faces to escape. We can physically leave, we can numb out with Netflix or drinking or whatever Mm -hmm. takes our mind and heart away for a little while. And so if you're listening and you find yourself in one, two, or three, or all four of those categories, those are the things that need to be let go of in order to receive the fullness that God has for us and in order to receive the truth. 
Yeah, that's so good. And I love how you talk about that healing really can begin when we allow God to pry our fingers off of what we're clinging so hard to. And that when our when our hands are open and empty, we can receive the new gifts that he has for us. But I, I would love to hear when he you kind of finally allowed him to empty your hands of what you were holding on to. Um, how did you cling to hope in that? And where where would you encourage someone to begin who's kind of still in that process of allowing God to one by one pry their fingers off of what they what it is that they think they want? Yeah, I think of. Um... I think of the story of Adam and Eve as you're talking where, you know, they didn't eat that fruit because they had made a decision to be evil <laughs> or they they ate that fruit because they stopped trusting that God was more interested in their good than they were. And they stopped believing that he had a better idea of what that looked like than them. Um and so in God prying my fingers open and those things ceasing to deliver what they had promised me in terms of my own sense of significance and, and security, I was left open empty handed, which is which was really painful for me. But we can only receive God's grace to the extent we know we need it. Mm-hmm. And he can only be our hope to the extent that we haven't put our hope in misplaced hope or shallow identities. And so I found myself in this really hard place of feeling empty handed, but was finally able to receive the better version of everything I'd been looking for in the person of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I mean, just practically speaking, just so everybody understands, I mean, I know we shared it, like, but, you know, everything was ripped away from you. You left California, you're in Connecticut, you're, you're going, wait, wait, I can't craft this life like I was able to craft in California, mm-hmm. and what are you doing, God? But Was there like a moment or a conversation that really kind of, when you realize, like, okay, um, you know, this idea of going from lost to found, mm-hmm. you know, and you talk about how God could have stripped it all away. Was there a moment? Was there a day? Was there something that happened, or this moment where you encountered God and, and things started to shift for you? Yeah, I think for me, because I'm so stubborn, I was, <laughs> it was definitely a, a layered process. But there are a few key moments that come to mind. One is, you know, soon after I got here and started realizing, oh, this performance thing isn't working like it worked back in California. I had a conversation with a lady that I had hoped to secure a job with. It was a private practice very similar to what I had left in California. And I, in my head, it was the perfect fit. And I sat down in her living room and she just kept cutting my answers off to every question she asked. And finally she said, you know, you're just a cute little blonde who no one in this town is ever going to listen to. And I mean, it cut me deep and I'm, I'm not saying it was okay that she said that, but it did give me a gift because the one thing I knew (laughs) was that God had called me to be a therapist. I, I knew that with everything I had and God just basically laid out the decision. Are you going to trust my call in your life? Is your confidence going to be in my call Mm -hmm. or in the approval of other people. And 
I had to just answer his call and let that be my confidence. And that was definitely one layer. I had five miscarriages over the course of so many years. And I think each one, although very similar in in the situation, each one taught me a little bit something different. And I don't think God caused that pain. I don't think he's the author of our suffering. But in his graciousness, I do think he uses it to take our hands off of what will ultimately destroy us. And I think each one was another layer of understanding that our hope, as wonderful as a gift of a child is, and and so many other things we long for, whether that's a relationship or, you know, a secure home or whatever it is that we long for, that as wonderful as those gifts are, our hope is not in the gift itself but in the giver of all those gifts. And I feel like that pain ushered me into this place of seeing that my hope is in the giver and not the gift itself. That's so good. I love that. So the subtitle of your book, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. Talk about that freedom for a second. What would you say it was that set you free and what do you mean by freedom there? I think it's very related to hope and where that misplaced hope was. I was constantly feeling disappointed and constantly feeling like I was only as good as my last performance or if the gift was taken away, then my life was hopeless. And um, the freedom was when I finally realized that our hope is in the giver and not the gift itself. And that on the far side of pain, we don't prefer, we will find transformation we would not trade if we have open hands to receive that. Um, And that's not something that comes right away if you're listening and you're in the thick of it and you're in that valley. It's okay if you don't see that right now. I didn't see it for a really long time. It just felt dark. It felt hopeless. I didn't understand why God's plan wouldn't match mine when it felt like the things that I wanted were really good, like a family and a child and, you know, a career and helping other people. It didn't seem like those were things that God wouldn't agree with. Um, and I had, I had a lot of struggles in understanding why those things weren't lining up. And I think I can look back, obviously I I do have children now and I'm so grateful for that, but honestly, I would not have looked at them the same way as pure gifts of God's grace instead of gifts that came of as a result of my own goodness and grit. I looked at the gifts in this life as something I had earned instead of gifts of grace that were because of God's goodness and not my own. Right. Well, you know, thank you for sharing all of that with us. You know, I, I'm super intrigued from this place. What? How does um, a therapist in the midst of your own personal struggle, you know, you sit across from people all the time. I imagine it would be so hard because you know all these rules and all the things you learned in school and you're in the midst of this pain. What was the journey like that, like that for you as you kind of like are kind of self-analyzing yourself and trying to figure all that out? What, what was that whole process like? Because I can't even she'll come in and try some psychological stuff on me. And, <laughs> oh, I was reading this book. And she's like, Let me see if this works. And like, what was that journey like for you in that in that process? And maybe it's just a little bit of a random question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts there. 
Yeah, no, I love that question. I describe this book as a discover it was me discovering for myself what I knew to be true for my clients. So I was very good at helping other people find peace and joy outside of circumstance. I was very passionate about that. And I think for so many of us, no matter what our career is, it's so easy to diagnose things in other people's lives. (laughs) Sure. And I was great at that. (laughs) But it wasn't until I confronted my own season of pain and loss that the wheels started coming off the bus and I realized oh, I had been leaning in all the wrong places um, and all the wrong things. And I suddenly felt very unstable and had to walk the journey from what I knew in my head toward making it something I knew in my heart. And that just honestly looks like practice, practicing what you know to be true before you feel it takes it from truth we know to truth we trust. And I, I struggle with this right along with my clients that, you know, one of the pushbacks I hear most often is, Nicole, I know the truth, but I don't believe it. I don't feel it. I know I'm good enough. I don't believe it. I don't feel it. I, you know, I know I'm not alone, but it feels like it. And I really understand (laughs) the struggle with that, but I also know enough about the way our brain works on a very elementary level that we have to practice what we know. We can think and act our way to a new feeling. We cannot feel our way to a new way of thinking and acting. Mm -hmm. And this is a journey for me of okay, it's time to practice what I preach and, you know, practice this stuff before I actually feel it. So I love that question. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what is, what is your hope? I mean, God gave you this vision. He gave you this message. You wrote this book. What is your hope when somebody grabs this book? Somebody's listening on here going, okay, I'm getting it. I know I'm supposed to get this book. What's your hope for when they, they pick it up, they read it and they put it down. What do you hope happens for that person on the other side? Hmm. So many things. I hope when they open the pages of From Lost to Found that they're able to recognize the ways in which that they've been left empty-handed or certainly in this season and this year of 2020, we've all confronted things we cannot change. And I would love for them to see the invitation in those empty hands that those empty hands are actually open to receiving everything that they've been longing for in the person and presence of Jesus Christ and that God longs to weave his story of redemption in what might feel ruined, whether it's expectations we had for a season or for our lives or disappointment that we never saw coming and can't change that there would be this receiving of God's redemption into that story. Because I know, I am so confident he wants to do that in every one of our stories. Love it. Well, Nicole, thank you for coming and sharing your story. Before we go, we love to ask these three questions. It goes a little like this. Uh, what's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So let's start with the first one. What's a book that's changed your life? I'm such a book person. This is so hard. (laughs) I, 
it's kind of an interesting one because I don't, I don't know what category I would put it in, but, um, every moment holy, I'm sure you've probably seen it around and maybe other guests have talked about it, but it's opened my eyes to the holiness in the ordinary. And, you know, like you guys with five kids, there's so many mundane moments of our day. Right. And to just be able to have a wider vision for God moving through those um, moments that might otherwise go missed or rushed, I think has been really healthy for me as somebody who tends to be fairly achievement oriented. I've just loved having a new vision for that part of my day. And the second one was... The second is, um, what's a habit that's changed your life? Habit that's changed my life. Okay. Waking up early. I hate it. It feels like, I feel like such a bearer of bad news when I, when I say that, cause I am not naturally a morning person, but that is, those are the hours I find I am most raw and awake. I'm like a blank slate to what God wants to show me. And I'm a blank slate to understanding how I'm feeling myself. Um, and so in writing from lost to found, I really discovered that those were important hours to be creative and ensured that I got that time to meet with God before I started writing and before I started the other responsibilities in my day. And yeah, that's, that's been a game changer. All right, two clarifying questions because yes. early, early can be defined <laughs> by many other. What is early? That's my first question. What was, what's early? To me, it's between five and five thirty. Okay, that that's that is early. that's what that's what we in the real world call the early, <laughs> okay. for sure. Okay. <laughs> and and the and the second caveat is, you, have you mastered this habit? And how in the world did you do it? If you actually <laughs> mastered it, I have. I've gone through seasons of not doing that. So I wouldn't say I've done it consistently for years, but I I'm back on. <laughs> nice. Good job. Hey. Uh, and I I think what gets me out of bed is what I was talking about earlier, just know like trusting that it's the right thing without feeling that it's the right thing and and having enough days of being really grateful I did it that I can trust that even though I'm not wanting to get out of bed. I, I never fly out of bed at that hour, but I think I've it's come with enough days of reward <laughs> <laughs> that I can trust that there's goodness there um, that, that will get me out of bed. So I'm on, I would say I'm on season two of this. Uh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. this habit. I love it. That's great. Sweet. That's well, sweet. thank you for, thank you for yeah. those follow-up questions. And then the last one is, what advice would you give to the younger Nicole? Oh, this is such a great therapy question. I love it. <laughs> oh, so many things. I think I would, because the wounds that I carry around from my own story of, of feeling inadequate and um, not measuring up to expectations, I think I would just look at her in the eyes and say, I love you for you. And I love you because of who you are and not what you do. And I want you to pursue your dreams from a place of value, knowing that they're not going to add one bit to the value that you already have. I want you to pursue those from a place of value and not for it. That would that would be what I would want her to know. Oh, I love that. And then based on your facial expression, I think you'd give her a hug. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like she'd oh, yeah. just get a real big hug. She needs hug. a hug. <laughs> yes, exactly. My, um, I always ask my clients, so if, if I told you to say that same thing without words, what would you do right now? <laughs> oh, 
Nice. So I'd give her a big old hug and hold her. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, where can people find you, follow you, get the book, all that stuff? Yes. I love connecting with readers and listeners. So uh, certainly my website is one place. It's Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, Zazowski. Z. <laughs> Z is in zebra, A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com. And then I'm just at Nicole Zazowski on Instagram. It wasn't taken? It wasn't no, taken. It was no, totally free, free huh? Rain. It's so it's so funny. My brother-in-law is Nick Zazowski. Um, so N Zazowski is is often taken. <laughs> he gets there before but, you. Like, yes, let me have a handle, he, man. Let me get one. Exactly, exactly. But Nicole Zazowski was all good. Nice. And then, you know, certainly everywhere you anywhere you like to buy books, Amazon, your favorite local bookstore um, can order it for you if they don't have it. But anywhere you like to buy books, it's there. Well, it is wonderful. I hope people grab a copy. Nicole, thank you so much for being here with us today. This was wonderful. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, thanks again, as always, for coming and hanging out with us here at the Live It Well podcast. We hope that this message encouraged you as much as it has us. As always, we'll have all the links mentioned in today's episode over in our show notes at our website, letsliveitwell.com. And we would love to hear from you. You can find us and follow us on all the social platforms, Facebook, Instagram. We would love to hear what's going on in your life and stay up to date with all things at Live It Well. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We're going to close it out like we do every single week. It's great to be back for a season and it's great to be saying this again. So let's all say it together. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.